0: Hear these words from Matthew 25, verse 23. Jesus said it will go something like this. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. What would you do if you had 20 minutes left to live? What would you say? What if it caused you to think about the things that really matter the most in life? I have to wonder what I would do. Um, I'd like to think I'd find the most crowded place I could to give my very best and my very last altar call message. But maybe if it actually happened, I'd be less noble. Either way, that thought of 20 minutes left to live gives some real perspective to what's important and to what we're doing right here Uh, That alert is not altogether unlike an alert that should guide how we live every day. Whether it happens in 20 minutes or in 20 years, we will one day stand before God and give account for our lives. Jesus may return in a few weeks or in a few centuries, but whether or not we are in the last days, you and I can be certain that we are definitely in our own last days. If you are in Jesus, the conversation on that day is already loosely scripted. In Matthew twenty-five twenty-three, Jesus said it would go like this. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. It is only by faith in Jesus that we go to heaven. But there are three things that you can affect on this earth that will carry beyond this earth on that day. Who you become in Christ, the glory you bring to the name of Christ, and the impact you have on other people. I am not certain if the dog or the cat go to heaven. Um, I do know that your stuff definitely doesn't go to heaven. Most of all, I am certain that you and God and others are all eternal. Because His glory endures forever, everything we do to add to it endures forever as well. Because you last forever, everything you do to change and grow and become more like Jesus will go on forever. Because the people around you are eternal, every time you touch someone's life, That impact will go on and on and on. Today, we're going to focus on the impact that you have on others. In 2 Corinthians 5, verses 10 through 11, Paul said, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord we try then to persuade others. Uh, What we do with people doesn't get us into heaven, but it will go with us into heaven. Everyone who believes in Jesus goes to heaven, and everyone who goes to heaven will be rewarded according to what we've done with other people. And what are we supposed to do with other people? Paul showed us the first thing in 2 Corinthians 5. He said, We try to persuade others. There's a huge truth there because every person we lead to Jesus will spend eternity with Jesus. There's really no better use of our time and our lives than to help others know him. Now, I wish I could give you the one formula for persuading every single person, but there are some, but I can't, of course, and there are some incredible tools that do help. Uh, For example, a number of years ago, Bill Bright wrote the Four Spiritual Laws, which very quickly explain why we need a Savior and how we find salvation. And I think it would be good for everybody to take a look at those. Um, However, if just telling people those four spiritual laws could convert everyone, the job would already be done. The problem is that different people are at different stages in their journey toward Jesus. Some are ready to hear the good news, and some are directly opposed to it. So I don't have the exact formula that you can use. However, I do have a place where you can start with just about anyone with five easy-to-remember words. These five words open doors with atheists as well as Christians who have just sort of drifted away. They are, I notice, and you matter. You may not have the right answer for every question. You may not have a persuasive speech or a world-rocking testimony, but you can notice people and let them know that they matter to you. Almost everyone responds to being considered. Your efforts may or may not lead to their eventual conversion, but at least it's a place you can start with anyone. Remember Matthew 25, where Jesus said, Well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share your master's happiness. If you go down just a few more verses, Jesus gives a little more explanation of that day. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. On that day, more than anything, you'll care about where you stood with Jesus on earth. And after that, The main thing you'll care about is how you touch the lives of others. The cool thing about it is the bar is not set that high for touching a life. It's not too hard to make someone else feel like they matter. Jesus made it clear it's not difficult at all to receive a reward on the last day. In Matthew 10, verse 42, Jesus said, And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. So did you get that? That counts. A cup of water counts. I love that. It's like Jesus saying, just get beyond yourself in any way and I'll take it. You open the door for that guy in the wheelchair, it counts. You smiled at that grumpy lady with the yippee dog next door? That counts. You complimented your husband? It counts. Even a little tiny compliment can have an eternal impact. It reminds me of a business traveler who was sitting all alone in first class on his flight to L.A. As he leaned back in his chair, he heard a calm voice say, Nice tie. He looked around and noticed that no one was there. A minute later, the voice said, that's a beautiful shirt. The man called the flight attendant. He said, I must be losing my mind. I keep hearing these voices saying things and there's no one up here but me. It's the ginger ale you're drinking, she answered. The what, he said. Yeah, the ginger ale. It's complimentary. A little compliment can be a big deal. Here's my problem, but here's my problem. I am woefully self-focused. I kind of see it like there are different tiers or levels of selflessness. I'm not saying that God sees it this way. I'm just sharing this idea to explain how I want to grow and where I want to go in this area of my life. Let's call the starting level the kindergarten of kindness, The kindergarten of kindness is when you don't shove other people out of the way during a fire alarm, or you no longer have to be the smartest or the strongest person in the room. I feel here that most of us have graduated from kindergarten kindness. Um, I would guess a lot of us are actually stuck at the elementary school level. That's the kind of selflessness where you can let other people go before you. You can share with others. When people are with you, you make an effort to put them first. But like a grade school kid, when they are out of sight, they are out of your mind. You've been stuck at that level for a while, and I'm ready to go beyond. I think the high school level of selflessness is when people aren't with you, you think of them. You pray for them. You consider how you can be a blessing to them. The collagate level of kindness is not only to think about other people often when they aren't with you, but also to sacrifice your own well-being, your own comfort, your own stuff to help them. These are the people who turn their families into orphanages because they just can't quit bringing kids into their homes. These are the people who move to Malaysia or Pakistan to bring people into the kingdom. Of course, Jesus gave us the ultimate example as he sacrificed his life for us while we were still enemies of God. If reaching out to others begins with, I notice and you matter, then how does it get to the next step? How do we get beyond the kindergarten of kindness to the upper levels? Again, I don't have the formula, but I do have a method. You should know, however, that If you actually do what I'm about to tell you, your life will be different from this moment on. It's super simple, but it's going to change everything, and it's going to radically change what happens on that day when you have to give account for how you touched or forgot the lives of others. You might not be surprised to hear it's found in a prayer, but it's not a prayer that you will say once and move on. This actually has to become a new spiritual discipline for you and me. It has to become a regular part of your prayer life and a regular part of every day. Pray it every time you see someone in pain. Pray it every time God brings someone to your mind. Pray it every time you notice someone and want to make sure they know they matter. I promise you, if you honestly pray this prayer every single day about someone your life will change. Are you ready for it? Are you ready to graduate? Here it is. Lord, what do I need? And there's a second part to it. What should I do? Do you see how that can change everything? Let me show you how it can work. Let's say you have a friend who lost a loved one a month ago. What do you do? If you're like me, you say, I'm so sorry. How can I help? And what do they say? Just pray for us. So if you promise that you will, then you forget. And not much actually happens, except you feel a little awkward the next time you run into the friend. Now imagine after you find out about that person's loss, and before you say anything, you pray, Lord, what do they need? Then a thought comes to your mind. They need to know they aren't alone. Then you pray, what should I do? Not long after your prayer, you have an idea to take them to lunch. So when you call, you don't give the usual, almost impossible to answer question of, how can I help? Instead, you say, can I take you out to lunch? And just like that, you're up in the stratosphere of serving. This prayer is so small, but it's so big at the same time. Think of how our lives, church, community would change if we all would make this a regular discipline where every day we pray for someone else. What if this prayer was as much a part of your every day as brushing your teeth or spending some time in your Bible? There's no way we can do this for everyone, But we can easily do this for anyone. Every day, we should do this for someone. It works at so many levels. It can work for mean people who are working at the government office while you're standing in line. God, what do they need? I think they might need a little compassion. What should I do? I could tell them that I notice and appreciate how hard they work, that it counts. This prayer can work instantly. You can see a homeless guy and right there pray, God, what does he need? Dignity comes to mind. God, what do you want me to do? I think God might want me to go over to him, look him in the eye, shake his hand, and ask him if I can pray for him. It counts. This prayer can be repeated for weeks for big issues, You might pray every day, God, my daughter is struggling. What does she need? One day it comes to you. She needs to know I'm there for her no matter what. Then you can pray, God, what do you want me to do? And the idea might come. Find a way to reach out toward her every day and keep praying. It counts. It can happen with that jerk at work or school that nobody likes. Pray, God, what does that jerk need? If God says, he needs a hug, you can pray, well, God, please bring someone who will give him one. It's an effective prayer, but I want to warn you that it's also a dangerous prayer. James 4.17 says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. The danger with praying this prayer is that as things come to mind, you need to follow through. For example, what if it went like this? God, what does that couple you brought to my mind this morning need? They need a car for their daughter. What do you want me to do? Give them one. Wow, all of a sudden you're playing with the big boys of faith. That's college-level kindness. Would you consider joining me in this? Would you start by finding one person every day where your actions say, I notice and you matter? Would you pray these prayers just once a day for just one person a day? Maybe even pray for the same person every day for a few weeks. God may not immediately answer every prayer. And I don't think that you'll have to buy anyone a car But I'm certain that sooner or later, God will bring some ideas to mind. If you will do it on that last day, you'll be so glad that you did. Until the last day, your life will be chock full of ministry stories as well. I want to challenge each person. Let's try it for every day this next week and see if anything happens. If this could be a daily discipline, I believe every single one of us will have scores of stories to tell about how God used us, included us, scared us, and came through for us. What an adventure we could all live. I'd like to close now by praying for you. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the kindness that you have shown us. Thank you for your salvation. I pray that you would help us notice others because they matter to you. Remind us to seek your will and your strategies for them. Please show us how we can make a difference and touch one life each day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.